0: Well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Thank you very much. You're probably just clapping because I don't have holes in my jeans like Nathan did. I almost wore them today and cut holes in my jeans just so I could be cool like my youth pastor, but I think at 62 I've given all that up. Hey! Thanks for the calls and the texts and the emails and the cards and the food and all of that. Appreciate it very much. I'm on the mend. I'm just weak. Uh, doctor released me from the hospital after six days. He says now remember it takes three days for every, at least three days for every day that you're in the hospital to recover. And so he says don't freak out when you're all weak after a month uh, after a week and think everything is w- wrong. And he said uh, uh, you just got to get your strength back. And that's what I have. To do so, you see the chair up here this morning, the stool. If you don't like that, you need to go back and look at my sermon series on "Get Over It," and um, I'm not trying to be cool like Andy Stanley or anything this morning. It's just will help me uh, a little bit to be up and down, probably. Laugh Your Way to Better Marriage is starting on. Uh, Thursday, for four straight Thursday nights we've had over 100 couples in six years go through, laugh your way to better marriage and if you're one of the ones that have, haven't you need to do that it'll be good for your marriage now listen please if your marriage is in trouble if you are in conflict if you, if you love each other but don't like each other very much right now this is not for you because you don't want to laugh do you? Just be honest. Your problems are too serious to laugh at. But if you're just like most marriages and um, you can get a little bit better and you have the struggles that most marriages do, uh, this will make fun of a lot of differences between men and women. And and those differences between men and women, if you're having trouble, you don't like those differences and you don't want to laugh about them. Um, So I can help you in other ways, hopefully, if you find your marriage in that state but a uh, laugh your way would not be for you. Um, so four straight um, Thursday nights. We need you to sign up if you need child care. Okay? Because we need to have some kind of clue. And that says register by the day if child care is needed. Well, that's Karen trying to be really good and efficient. But you can register anytime you want to register. Okay? We'll make it work. <laughs> I've been pastoring too long to to know that if you tell people to register now, they won't register on Monday and they won't come, but I want them to come anyway, okay? So um, register if you can today, that would be helpful for us to plan, thank you. Um, but if if you forget to register by Wednesday and call the office, we'll, we won't um, be mad at you or anything, okay? Laugh your way to better marriage, it will um, it'll help you and you'll laugh for four straight uh, Wednesday nights, okay? Um, If you've never preached, you don't really know this, but preparing a message, uh, for me, takes more energy than it does to deliver it. And so I thought to help myself out a little bit after six days in the hospital and a week at home recovering, really three weeks on my back, uh, because I was on my back for a week before I went to the hospital, um, I thought I would just look back over a quarter of a century of preaching and preach something that I preached before and I found a message that I preached in 2003 before you all ever heard of Mark Atherton preached it in Georgia this is a series of messages that I uh, was preaching on characteristics that God wants to see out of us as Christians you know and I don't really remember what they all were but it could be be merciful be forgiving uh, be holy be something and I preached a message that uh, I've decided to polish up a little bit and hopefully preach it better than I did in 2003 because I'm hopefully a better preacher than I was back then. But, um, and it's be real. God wants you to be real with him. God wants you to come clean with him. God doesn't want you to pretend that you are a better Christian than you are. Now, we pretend for lots of reasons. We act for lots of reasons, and most of those is to, are to please one another. So I, my self-esteem is dependent on what you think of me, so I've got to make you think that I'm such-and-such such a Christian. And God knows anyway, right? Because we don't pretend. I mean, God knows when we're faking it. God knows the deal. We're not fooling God. I hope nobody here is theologically stupid enough to think that you're fooling God, okay? But, but you do fool me, and you do fool each other. You don't fool your wife because she sees it, and you don't fool your husband, because they see it, you don't fool your kids. But you can fool all of us, and you can be here every single Sunday. And um, you could be on the board. You could be a Sunday school teacher. And you could be a pretender. I want to tell you that God doesn't do well with fake. And this is pronounced all the way through Old Testament and New. God doesn't do well if you act. God doesn't do well if you pretend. God wants you to come clean. And in fact, <clears throat> a prerequisite for His grace coming to you is that you come clean. Because He will withhold your grace if you're pretending. Withhold His grace if you're acting. Withhold His grace in your life if you're trying to act like a better Christian than you really are. So this is a serious, serious issue. He talks about it throughout the book of Matthew and says in Matthew 15, 18, he says, speaking of the Pharisees, he says, these people honor me with their lips. They go to synagogue. They look good when they walk around. They dress up and they do the right things. They say the right things. But their hearts are far from me. God doesn't do well with fake. God doesn't do well with pretend. God doesn't do well when you act. He wants the authentic you. It is a long way from your head to your heart. And a lot of us can have it in our heads, but be void of it in our hearts. And God knows that. And you're not any more close to the kingdom than you were when you, before you started coming to church. In fact, the most scariest verse in the Bible that very few preachers preach on is in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> not everyone who calls me Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Not everyone who teaches Sunday school, not everyone who's on the board, not everyone who comes to church and never misses a Sunday will enter the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Those who profess but don't possess are pretenders. And I ain't going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Mark doesn't say that. The verse goes on to say, many will say to me on that day, and that's judgment day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and... and in your name and perform many miracles. Didn't we teach Sunday school? And didn't we, g- didn't we give our tithe every Sunday? And, and, and didn't we get a perfect attendance ribbon? And, and then Jesus says, I will say to them plainly. And, and that word plainly is fascinating. I will say to them straight away, I never knew you. Knew throughout the Bible is a relationship word. You'll find that word in in the Old Testament many times. It says, Abraham knew Sarah. That's a word for sexual relations. It's It's a word of intimacy. It's a word of relationship. I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. God doesn't do well with fake. You can fake me. You can fake the person sitting next to you on the pew but you can't fake God. You may be building yourself up and thinking other people think really, really good of you and that you're super-duper Christian, but God knows the score. And on that day, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, on that day, there's many people that are going to be in first shock. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) I want you to be real about your relationship with God. I want you to be real about that. Come clean about it. And the only way you can solve a realness problem is to come clean with God about it. Now, He already knows it, but He wants you to admit it. And that's hard to do because it takes humility. It may not be quite as hard to do it in front of him as it is in front of each other to come clean and say, I need you to keep me accountable in this area. There have been many people over the course of 25 years of ministry that have come to me and said, Mark, I need you to to confess something to you or I need to keep you accountable to me in this area. I've had many people do that. You know what I never did when they told me whatever that was? You know what I never did? (gasps) You didn't. I always left that meeting with more respect for that person because they wanted to come clean and be real with God. In the book of the Revelation, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, fascinating passage, Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot i wish you were one of those that's fascinating he says i wish you were cold i wish you were either cold or hot you know why he says those two things because that's real because that's real i wish you were one of them i wish you were either hot or i wish you were cold but because next verse says but because you are in the mushy middle and you're lukewarm i'm going to vomit you out of my mouth These kind of messages don't build churches. Sorry. So be be honest about your relationship to God. If you're cold, come clean about it. There's great grace to people who get honest with God. There's great grace coming to people who are authentic in their relationship with God. You know, people like me as a pastor and don't like me as a pastor for the same reason. Because... I try to be very real in the pulpit. Now some people like their pastor to be nice and shiny and, and present a good image. And I don't always do that, because I tell you all this, I'm just, I'm just a traveler like you, and, and, and I just am honest about the journey that I'm on. Some people don't like that, because they want to believe that their pastor is, is just got it all wrapped around his little finger, you know? But there's there's others of you that come up to me. I had a person come up to me in in Georgia, and they said, I like you. You're honest. Now listen, what a damning thing that was to say to other preachers they've heard, which means we've had preachers that weren't honest and tried to put on airs. Y'all say that in Ohio. We say it in Kentucky all the time. Put on airs in front of people. They said, you're honest. I use the word real. Now, I don't air every bit of my dirty laundry out. I do have a little sense. (laughs) But you have to be real in your relationship with God. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd even rather you be cold. But get out of this lukewarm, come to church every Sunday, looking all nice. Get out of that. Be real about your relationship with God. Doubts and questions, come on. Who doesn't have them? I know more theology than anyone in this room. And I probably have more doubts and questions than anyone in this room. But the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Oh, what a hor- your pastor doubts. Oh, what a horrible thing. You know why, if you doubt, you know what that means? You have a brain. You're a thinking person. And you're not gullible and just swallow everything. And if you're honest, you will have some doubts to the day you die. Because you, it's always by faith. You'll never have certainty. But you take, you take it by faith. And that honors him. It pleases him, his word says. That you put trust in him and take it by faith. Thomas says, uh, you know, told the other disciples, you know. They said, he's he's resurrected. He's he's risen from the dead. Well, Thomas, I'm not going to believe it until I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet. And so all the disciples were together one day and Jesus walked in the room post-resurrection and Scripture says he went straight to Thomas. Isn't that interesting? The one who had doubts, he went straight to. He said, check it out, check it out, check it out, check it out. And we have one of the most... Profound professions of faith in all of Scripture that came as a result of doubts. Thomas falls at his feet and said, My Lord and my God. Be real about your relationship with God, drop the pretense. I can deal with that. Great grace is coming your way if you'll just drop the pretending and drop the. I've had people say, "I've had no. There's no telling how many people I've had say this in 25 years of ministry." Well, you know, I'll, I'll get things squared away with God. I got to take care of, of a few issues in my life, and what they meant with sin. I got to take care of a few issues in my life. You know, I've got da, da 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 da, and then you know, then I'll get it right with God. How stupid! How stupid. Come to God and let him take care of those issues in your life. How, how that's, that shows you know nothing at all about this thing we call Christianity. Come to Christ and let him take care of those issues. He'll deal, he can deal with it. He, whatever those issues are, he'll deal with it. Be real about your spiritual growth. The Bible says there are are people that are babes in Christ and there are people that are mature. There are people the Bible calls infants and people that have grown up in the faith. And you'll never grow up in the faith until you grow through infancy. And you'll never grow through infancy until you admit that you're a babe in Christ. You can be here every Sunday for 40 years and still be a babe in Christ. You can hear the best preacher on the face of this earth, whoever that is, for 40 straight years and still be a babe in Christ if you're not practicing your faith Monday through Saturday. And if you find yourself as a Christian who's been on the way 10, 20 years and you're still a babe, you still don't know where the book of Second Chronicles is. come clean admit your infancy be real about where you are spiritually you'll stay an infant if you never have the humility to admit where you are you'll stay a babe in Christ as the Bible calls it the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 5 verses 12 through 14 in fact Though by this time... Now that means they've been Christians for a while. Though by this time... No, we don't know what that means. How much time, we don't know. Though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word. Over. All over again. You need milk. You can't handle solid food. The writer of the Hebrews says... Next verse says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, right living. Solid food, the scripture says, is for the mature, who by constant use, day after day, after week, after month, one foot in the front of the other, one step back, Two, one step forward, two steps back, three step forward, one step back, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You've got to be come clean, be real, stop pretending, stop faking, be authentic about where you are spiritually Christian, babe, mature, Milk, solid food. You'll never be able to handle solid food unless you first can handle the milk and grow grow through the milk stage, the writer to Hebrews says. Apostle Paul opened the whole Western world up to Christianity. He had to be kind of spiritually mature, didn't he? I I assume he did. Because he opened up the whole Western world to Christianity. And he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, here's what I like. Listen to the man who opened up the whole Western world to Christianity. Not that I've already obtained this. Not that I've reached the pinnacle. Not that I've got this Christian life wrapped around my little finger. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived. When do you arrive as a Christian? Harold, have you arrived yet? yet. Okay, I don't know when you arrive as a Christian. Not that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on. Shouldn't have said that yesterday, but I'm going to press on today. Should have treated my wife with more grace, but I'm going to press on today. This week was one step forward, two steps backward, but I'm going to press on next week. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself already to have taken hold of it. This man who opened up the whole Western world to Christianity. But one thing I do, forgetting how bad I've messed up and straining toward what is hit, I press on. I press on. I press on. on. Then it says, (laughs) all of us who are mature, should take such a view of things. (laughs) So he considers himself mature, but he says, I haven't obtained it yet, so i got to press on. All of us who are mature should consider ourselves this way. And if if you don't consider yourself this way, God will hit you over the head with a baseball bat and clear it up to you one day. I'm so, I'm, I'm so pleased that I preached a message in 2003 that today in 2021 I can preach again because if it was true then, it's true today. And my message hasn't changed in 18 years. I, I'm so glad for that. I hope I deliver it better. I <laughs> hope I'm a better preacher today than I was 18. But it's the same message. The Word of God does not change. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And some of you feel that sharpness today. I'm going to close with this, and I don't have a scripture to back this up, and maybe it's just because I don't know enough scripture, but I couldn't think of a good scripture to back this up, but I know it's true. Being real shows trust in God. If I can come to God just as I am, with all of my sin and with all of my weaknesses and all of my failings and all of my pretendingness, if that's even a word, and all of that, And I just lay that at the feet of God and says, here you are, God. Can you do something with this mess? That shows real trust in God. That you don't have to put on airs in front of God. You don't have to act in front of God. He already knows it anyway. That shows real trust in God. And if you need to go to another person that you've been pretending to all these years and come clean with that person, You don't know how that person will deal with it and you don't know how that person will take it but you know it's the right thing to do that shows real trust in God to do that. So I'm 62 and I wanted to preach something to you today that I preached when I was 42. And that's, I just think I just think being real is an unbelievably important attribute for a Christian. You know what? Because I appreciate, and I don't think I'm any different than the rest of you, I appreciate authenticity as much as anything. I I hear people from every now and then tell me how good of a Christian they are. They won't say it that way, but that's what they're trying to tell me to try to impress me because I'm the pastor. I guess I'm the one that lets them to heaven. I don't know about that. But that, when people tell me how much good they did this week and all, and they'll never say it like that, hey, but that's exactly what they mean. Don't, don't impress me. What impresses me is when they come in my office and close the door and get honest. Because that takes humility. I've told you before, at 12 years of age, I walked the aisle at South Alcorn Baptist Church for Sales, Kentucky. For some reason, my dad wasn't preaching that week. and Pastor gave the altar call. I don't have any clue at all what the message was on. Pastor gave the altar call and dad leaned over and said, you need to go, don't you? That was my dad. (laughs) Well, of course I needed to go, but I didn't want to. What 12-year-old don't need to go to the altar. Come on. So I couldn't tell my dad no. That's harder than telling God no. I mean, that for me, I mean, I couldn't tell dad no. So I walked out and he followed me. I cried all the way down. You know why I was crying? It wasn't because of repentance. It was because of the humility that it took to walk down in front of all those people. And I got in front of the preacher and I said something. I have any clue what it meant. Nothing happened that day, by the way. Because my heart still wasn't right with him. It happened at 34. I, you know, I said some words and prayed a prayer of faith, and nothing happened because it was all right here. I didn't come down there with this. So I kept on living my honor life. Well, I probably straighten up for a week or two. That happens sometimes, you know. You know, you know how that happens sometimes? People come to the altar and make a decision in church and they clean up for a week or two. Or people go to the hospital and get really sick and, and pray to God and then they get out of the hospital and then they forget all about the prayer they prayed to God. You know. So you know, my, my Christianity lasted a week or two but then I was back to my ways of trying to be cool, you know, like all 12-year-olds are. I got real at the age of 34 and God ran to me. So if you're new with us, and, or this is your first Sunday with us, you probably don't know that we serve communion every Sunday because I like the fact, and Brandon Hancock was the one who talked me into this. I, I didn't like it at first, he had to talk me into it. But it makes me bring every single message to the cross, and I think that's a good discipline for a preacher. And that's where you have to come to the cross of Jesus and and ask his forgiveness for this sin of pretending, faking, not being real. And say, God, take this mess that is me. Take this adultery, take this pornography, take this abuse, take this lying. take this fill in the blank. I want to be a real, real Christian. I want to grow up. I know I'm an infant. I've neglected His Word. I don't don't have any kind of life of discipleship during the week. I've neglected all of that. God, I know I'm 50, but take this baby Christian. And for the time that I have left on this earth, would you grow me up? But there's great grace coming your way if you pray a prayer like that. Oh, he loves to hear that prayer. So our servers are coming to the table, and some of you may want to receive communion at the the table, and some of you may want to come to the altar and bow, and we have the communion vials here at the baskets. Some of you may want to stay in your seats, and I will lead you through communion in just a few minutes. I don't know where you are right now, but I want you to know our altars are open. And however you choose to use them or not use them today. If God has spoken to you today, you need to respond in some way. Whether you just respond in prayer at your seat or you respond tangibly. You know why the altar is a good thing? You know why the altar is a good thing? Because this is a humbling position. The word pride is used 77 times in all of Scripture never once in a positive way. This is a humbling position. You continue to worship for these next few minutes, however you choose, at the table, at the altar, right there in your seats, you choose right now.